0: All right, y'all, you're locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Today, we're talking all about the Falcons and Jets joint practices over the weekend, whether that's going to inform us about the Falcons floor and ceiling this year and whether or not we saw that on display in the practice, as well as in Monday night's preseason action between the Falcons and Jets. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, y'all, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, AKA Serious Black, AKA your very humble podcast host. And of course, I've covered the Falcons for many years, formerly at foulfans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at foulfans. And of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. And guys, today's Locked On Falcons episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And guys, we thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Locked On Falcons is, of course, free and available on a variety of podcast platforms Monday through Friday, including Apple Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and also on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel and you will get the Video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops, so let's talk about the Falcons jets joint practices, and you know by all accounts uh, it seemed like the jets quote unquote won those practices they were the better team on both days of practice now, the degree in which they were better certainly is disputed depending on who's you're listening to, you know, as they say beauty is in the eye of the holder, but it sounded like the general consensus was that the Jets' first-team offense consistently was able to get the better of the Falcons' first-team defense, uh, raising concerns that are following off of what we saw from that first-team defense uh, last week in the preseason action with the, with the Lions. Um, it did not seem like the Falcons – first team offense was as successful as up and down, um, you know, going up against the jets uh, first team defense, some positive, some negative in that regard. And it did sound like, you know, the Falcons second team units on both sides of the ball seemed to get a little bit better of the jets uh, in that area of in their second team defense. Although I'll admit, I wasn't necessarily paying as close attention uh, to that coming from all the people that were on hand at jets and uh, Falcons joint practices. Um, now, Obviously, how much stock you put into all of that, uh, that sort of general consensus is certainly subjective. I know a lot of people are tend to be, especially Falcon fans, tend to be a little bit more dismissive of that, in part due to sort of cognitive dissonance where you have sort of a preconceived, you have two opposing viewpoints. In this case, hey, the Falcons are going to be good this year. And then when you find out, hey, they're not out practicing a team like the Jets, you tend to basically rather than incorporating that new information into your notion you dismiss that new information which is fine you know that's how fans tend to be this time of year uh which we accept um now you know when you are inclined to think that the falcons are going to be good this year you're probably more inclined to dismiss it although i wonder how many of these people were dismissing You know, the Falcons, you know, winning the practice against the Dolphins last summer uh, when those teams had their joint practices, um, you know, and we saw that sort of not manifest itself in the preseason game in large part due to the fact that the Dolphins were playing their starters for the entire first half. Primarily against Falcons third stringers, uh, but we did see sort of that manifest in the regular season when those two teams met up in the Falcons uh, one that game and it kind of sounds like, you know, there's been hints. Uh, we don't necessarily have official confirmation as I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, but you know, it sounds like the Jets may be reluctant to play their starters, given that they had, you know, the better day uh, in, in those practices and, and feel comfortable with their starters where they're at right now. Uh, although I, I suspect the Falcons will play their starters for at least a portion of Monday night's game, but we'll talk a, a little bit more on that Um You know, later in the episode. But unfortunately, we will not get confirmation on who's the better team uh, in a regular season performance uh, this upcoming season. But for me personally, uh, and I know some of you are not surprised by me saying this, I'm not that surprised that the Jets look like the better team. I think when you look at these two rosters, the Jets are slightly ahead of the Falcons in that regard. I'm sure that will create a firestorm of, of comments uh, below this video, or you guys are ready to send off those angry emails. I'm not going to spend a ton of time explaining why I believe that, but the way I would easily summarize it is that I think when you look at the two teams starters, at least on paper, right. And you were not factoring in rookies. So we're taking sauce Gardner and Jermaine Johnson and Garrett Wilson, out of the equation for the jets and Arnold Kennedy and Drake London out of the equation for the Falcons. So you look at the 19 starters for the jets the the 20 starters for the Falcons, you know, Of their projected starters week one, Joe Flacco is the only one currently projected to be the Jet starter. Um, That was a backup last year. Well, when you contrast it with the Falcons' current starting lineup, at least seven. You know, that number could be higher particularly if you count, like, say, Drew Dahlman in that conversation, like seven of the Falcons projected week one starters were backups on the team last year. And that includes players like, you know, Jalen Hawkins and and Michael Walker and Richie Grant, Rashawn Evans, who got benched last year uh, by the Titans, Marcus Mariota, et cetera. And that isn't necessarily meant to be the end all be all of, you know, who's the more talented team. It's just one methodology that you can c- c- sort of look at. We know with the Falcons situation, they're going to be relying heavily on developing some of those young players that were reserves a year ago uh, and believing that they can get more out of them um, than, you know, they were a year ago given their increased playing time, as well as several of these players that were reserves last year, like Marcus Mario, like Rashawn Evans, uh, et cetera. The expectation is that we'll be able to get more out of them than their previous uh, teams were able to do. And we'll look back at the end of the year. We'll certainly have the clarity of hindsight six months from now uh, to basically say how much the Falcons were able to get out of some of these young pieces. If the Falcons were able to get more out of their talent than the jets were able to get out of theirs certainly is uh, unknown at this point in time. But uh, certainly for me, it's not, necessarily surprising that the jets got the better of the Falcons because seemingly at this point in time, at least basically the argument I'm making is they have a little bit more proven players outside of, you know, maybe the quarterback uh, situation moving forward. And certainly Joe Flacco has proven himself, uh, you know, playing the better, the better part of, you know, 15 years in the NFL to be at least a competent uh, NFL quarterback. Um, But, you know, Obviously, how good this Falcon team is, that's what we're focused on today, is going to be determined by how many of those young players and, uh, you know, wind up working out for this team. And, and certainly, I think uh, if you're optimistic about some of these more unproven. Uh, components of the Falcons roster, you're probably much more optimistic about this team's outlook this season. I tend to be obviously more skeptical. As you guys well know, it's basically like I look at these unproven options. I'm like, I feel pretty good about Richie Grant. And then everybody else is kind of a we'll see uh, for me. But, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about where this team can be this upcoming season, talking about their floor and their ceiling. Uh, And I think some of those factors were on display in these joint practices, particularly their ceiling uh, where Kyle Pitts had himself a a couple of days. And we'll talk about how that informs where this team's potential could be this upcoming season and how kind of Arthur Smith kind of holds the keys to unlocking the full potential of uh, Kyle Pitts this upcoming season. As we continue today's locked on Falcons episode guys, but before we get there, I do want to talk to you about the locked on sports Atlanta podcast family, where you can find three shows with four hosts a to C with Mark Zeno hitting hard with, John Chuckery and ATL day ones with Jarvis Davis and Denise Rupatis breaking down not only local sports but national sports all on the same podcast feed you can find them all on the same podcast feeds that you find locked on Falcons including on YouTube and if you subscribe to locked on sports Atlanta on YouTube you'll get the locked on Braves postcast breaking down every Braves win and loss this year and you'll get the locked on Falcons postcast including a postcast on Monday night on locked on sports Atlanta live where myself and Jarvis Davis will be breaking down the Falcons the highlights of the Falcons and lowlights potentially of the Falcons Jets preseason action. And if you miss the video version of that on Locked On Sports Atlanta, then you'll be able to check out the audio version of that on your preferred audio platform for here on Locked On Falcons. So don't miss it. Uh, Subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And guys, I want to tell you about the fastest and easiest way to check in and all your sports betting needs. Uh, And you can find all your favorite sports and events with the number one online source for odds lines and games and of course i'm talking about betonline.net and if you're heading over to betonline.net before uh this monday night action between the falcons and jets you may find that the falcons are favored by two and a half points and that's not nothing and you know you may look at it and say okay are we really gonna bet on preseason games hey man if you can make a little bit of extra scratch uh here and there why not and you know i think taking the falcons as the favorite in this game makes a lot of sense given Kind of the expectations that the Falcons may wind up playing their starters while the Jets may play their backups. Uh, that may be a part of the reason why Vegas is favoring the Falcons. But head on over to betonline.net because they continue to be the top online resource for your sports waging info as well as live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered from everything, whether you want to bet on NFL preseason, NFL regular season, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Head on to betonline.net today. Use your mobile device to sign up to learn more about the action happening today. bet online where the game starts so guys i want to thank you again for making lockdown falcons your first listen each and every day and today kicks off fantasy draft week on the lockdown podcast network and whether you want to play you know regular you know fantasy football or you're in a dynasty league locked on fantasy football locked on dynasty football we'll have you covered they'll bring you those daily positional top 10 to get you ready for your draft and this upcoming fantasy season. So find Locked On Fantasy Football and Locked On Dynasty Football on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So one of the things that has not been in dispute despite, you know, the Falcons, uh, Jets practices or other factors that have been on display this summer is how great a summer Kyle Pitts has been having. And if you had any concerns that, hey, well, Kyle Pitts is having a great summer because he's going up against a questionable Falcons defense and secondary, um, you know, I don't feel like you have to have as much of those concerns, uh, after Friday and Saturday's joint practices with the Jets because it sounded like Kyle Pitts was cooking those, that defense just as. Easily. And it sounded like, particularly on Saturday, that what little success the Falcons' first team offense seemed to have against the Jets' defense, a lot of it was connected to when they were able to get the ball to Kyle Pitts and when they weren't able to get the, the ball to Kyle Pitts. That's why we say they were up and down. They were up when they threw the ball to Kyle Pitts, getting connected with Kyle Pitts. They were down when they weren't connecting uh, with Kyle Pitts. You know, I'm sure many of you are aware of that uh, clip of. Kyle Pitts burning Sauce Gardner on a go ball uh, that was on display and and Marcus Mariota uh, sort of overthrowing him on that play. But that's just a sign of all the things to come with Kyle Pitts. And, um, you know, we've talked about this a number of times. So uh, regular listeners, it's not a new concept when it comes to this, but. You know, it was not long ago on the podcast, I feel like I was having a conversation about sort of what's the sort of thing that the Falcons is their standout ability. What's the thing that they will do better than other teams that most teams will say, hey, you know, we got to stop this. We got to slow this unit down. Um, And I don't recall getting very much feedback on that subject, probably because I said something else controversial on that episode that took up all the oxygen uh, in the room and in the comments. But I I am curious to see where you guys sort of stand on that. What's the thing that you look at this team and say, hey, uh, this is the thing that's going to be the best aspect of this football team that's often connected to identity. Uh, but here in the case uh, of the Falcons, we, I don't know what that is. You um, know, I think when we look at a team like the Jets, we kind of know we've talked touched upon this over the last week is it's kind of their defensive line, right? And now whether they live up to that, you know, they're on paper, they have a really good, defensive line, but whether they live up to that remains to be seen. We have an example from a year ago where everybody was sitting here touting the commander's defensive front a year ago, and they certainly did not come close to living up to that. But you look at this Jets defensive line, they had 33 sacks a year ago, and that was a unit that didn't have Carl Lawson, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, Jacob Martin, Solomon Thomas. So this is a unit that could easily eclipse 40, 45, possibly even more sacks, which is pretty impressive for a team that by all accounts, most people consider to be a bottom 10 team. I certainly consider it to be a bottom 10 team. And what I mean by a bottom 10 team is not necessarily a team that's destined to be picking in the top 10, although they would probably be a good bet to be picking in the top 10 next year. Uh, but teams that I look at and I say, if someone ran up to me out of breath saying, Hey, I'm from the future. Um, and you know, this, one of these 10 teams made the playoffs, I would be utterly shocked. I would basically call nine one and say, there's a crazy person running around, running up to random strangers talking about, you know, which teams are making the playoffs. You need to come get this person. Uh, they're claiming that they're from the future and all that various stuff. Uh, So the 10 teams that I sort of list in that group are, you know, the Jets, The Steelers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Houston, uh, the Giants, Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta, uh, Carolina, and Seattle. It's not to sit here and say that it's impossible for those teams to make the playoffs, but I would certainly be very shocked that several of those teams made the playoffs. Now, maybe one of those teams sneaks their way to 8-9. I think if you're one of the AFC teams, 8-9 is not going to get you in the postseason, uh, given how strong the AFC is. Now, 8-9 could potentially get a, a team in the NFC into the postseason, given what I expect from that uh, conference but you know we'll sort of see uh you know if that w- winds up being true that's kind of where I put the Falcons near the bottom of the league I know a lot of people are like hey I think we're gonna surprise a lot of people so from my perspective that's like yeah I, I think we're gonna surprise the people that think the Falcons are gonna you know have a top three pick uh by surprising them by having only a top eight pick or something like that uh, but I'm sure many of you uh will disagree with that and whether or not you know, we surprise people even more. Uh, I think a lot of that kind of depends on Kyle Pitts and unlocking the full potential of Kyle Pitts and really the full potential of this offense's explosiveness, which we didn't necessarily see last year. I used the Bengals as an example to as a point of comparison, not because I think the Falcons have like Super Bowl uh, potential, but I think the Bengals are a great example of a team that was kind of middle of the pack last year, but was able to unlock their full potential and raise their ceiling as a football team uh, because of the explosiveness that they were able to bring to the table. The Raiders would be another great example from last year. That was a team that had a lot of issues going on, but were still able to sneak into the postseason in large part due to the fact that they were one of the most explosive offenses in the league. But of course, you know everybody's more familiar with the Bengals, given that they went to the Super Bowl. Um, now we know that the Bengals' explosive potential was unlocked thanks to the presence of Jamar Chase, who finished fourth in the NFL with twenty-plus yard plays, with twenty-two such of those plays. But he didn't do it alone. He didn't do. He didn't carry that team. You know. T. Higgins did a lot ahead of the head Tyler Boyd, CJ Azoma, Joe Mixon also were some of the skilled position players. And of course, you had an outstanding season from Joe Burrow uh, to overcome the fact that the Bengals had one of the worst offensive lines in football. Um, and I, I think essentially what I'm saying is I think Kyle Pitts has to be our version of Jamar Chase. And obviously, you know, you need Drake London, Brian Edwards, and Anthony Furkser, and Cordero Patterson, et cetera, to be our version of T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd and, and all that sort of thing. And I think we all agree that's the one thing that Falcon fans can agree agree on Kyle Pitts is more than capable of being that type of dominant playmaker in this league. But I think the question is going to be, depending on who you ask, how much confidence do you have in Arthur Smith being able to unlock that sort of potential. You look at Kyle Pitts' explosive plays last year. He had 16 in the league, which was the second most of any tight end behind only Mark Andrews last year, and that 16 number is a great number for tight ends. There haven't been that many tight ends in recent history over the last decade that have had more than 16 in a season. There's only been a handful that have had 20 or more in a season. Mark Andrews had 20 last year. Uh, you know, George Kittle had 20 in 2018. Uh, Travis Kelsey had 22 in 2020, and I think Gronk had 23 in 2015, and those were the most of any tight end over the last decade and so i think kyle pitts with just only a reg- relatively modest improvement could have a historic type season uh for a tight end compared to some of those guys in terms of generating those explosive plays so you know historic rookie year followed by a historic sophomore year uh i think that type of potential is in in line for for kyle Pitts. um but what's interesting about last year and the 16 that he did have is that they weren't evenly distributed right like you look at kyle pitt's three best games from a yarder standpoint the jets the dolphins and lions uh eight of his 16 explosive plays came in those three games that means only eight of his remaining explosive plays came in the other 13 games. And then you look at like four of those half of those remaining games came in just three games, which were the next best games in terms of yardage, the week two game against the box, the 49ers games, the bills games. So that basically leaves him generating four explosive plays in total in the other 10 games that he participated in that season. And, you know, that's not an even distribution. And like that to me is, um, you know, unacceptable. Now, I know one excuse is going to be that, hey, well, he couldn't consistently do that because he was drawing all this attention. Um, But I feel like good play calling, you know, works around that issue. We've seen that happen here in Atlanta, whether we look at a player like Julio Jones or we even look at recently in 2020 to Calvin Ridley, you know, his play down the stretch that season. Right. Where, you know, there, there were seven games in 2020 where Julio Jones did not play. And so Calvin Ridley was getting all the attention of opposing defenses, but you know how many explosive plays Calvin Ridley had in those seven games? 13, right? And then five of those seven games, he had at least one explosive play, and we know that Julio Jones was the most explosive receiver in the NFL for the entirety of his career, and it wasn't simply because, oh, teams weren't paying attention to him, right? We knew that, you know, you're going to get yours. If you're that good, you will get yours, and we saw that with Julio Jones throughout his career. We saw that in the final stretch of the 2020 season with Calvin Ridley. We didn't quite see that with Kyle Pitts last year, and I'm hoping That we will see that with Kyle Pitts uh, this upcoming season. You know, we can't have situations like we had in that Dolphins game where, you know, he had like what five or so explosive plays in that game alone. And then over the next five games, he only had one explosive play. We can't have those stretches of the season where Kyle Pitts is not being a consistent factor. And so I look at it where there's no excuses for Arthur Smith. That's part of the reason why, if you've been listening to this podcast regularly over the last six months, you have heard me, you know, criticize Arthur Smith, but it's to me, it's really scrutiny. Uh, There are no excuses for him, right? You know, last year, the excuses were Kyle Pitts was a rookie. He didn't have his guys. This year, he has, quote unquote, his guys, right? You know, he's got the mobile quarterback. He's got the better running backs. He's got the bigger wide receivers. Again, whether you buy into that notion or whatever the case may be, uh, is up to you. But that's all I've been hearing all offseason long from Falcon fans. is like, oh, he has his guys now. His offense is going to work. That's why this offense is is going to be clicking on all cylinders. And so I, I sit here and I go, despite not necessarily having as high opinion of those other areas the quarterback the running back the receivers etc as other people do i do have as high an opinion of kyle pitts as anybody out there there's no excuse for for me for kyle pitts to not emerge from this season as one of the league's most dynamic weapons uh you know potentially in nfl history right i mean that's the whole reason why we drafted kyle pitts number four overall and if we're not checking that box this year you know that to me is on arthur smith Right. We we talk about Dean P's and the do your job mantra. I'm like Arthur Smith, do your job and get this guy to be this monstrosity of a human being, be the unicorn that we know he is. Not only between the 20s when it comes to explosive plays, but also a key part of that is being able to convert in the red zone uh consistently. No one touchdown, three touchdowns, four touchdowns. That is inexcusable given the talent that Kyle Pitts has and given, you know expectations and your responsibility as a play caller. So I think if this Falcon reach this Falcon team reaches or exceeds their ceiling, whatever you guys think that is, whether that's a six and 11 team, that's a playoff team, whatever you think that is, you know, I do think it will be in part due to them, their ability to check this box and make Kyle Pitts one of the most feared and dynamic weapons in the league. And I think he certainly has a capability with just waiting to see if Arthur Smith uh, can allow him to reach that potential. So, that, to me, is kind of where we talk about the Falcons ceiling. Let's talk a little bit more about the Falcons' floor, uh, and I think that was not necessarily we saw you know on display in these joint practices on Friday and Saturday, but could be on display on Monday because we're talking about the offensive line. Where this team's floor is at is going to be determined by this you know unit up front. On offense. And so we'll talk about that as we continue today's episode, guys. But let's talk about something a little bit more serious. Maybe you're hanging out with friends, you're putting back a few drinks, uh, you know, a few becomes a few too many. Uh, and as the evening comes to an end, you start to see people heading out and you're thinking of calling a ride, but you sit here and say, Nah, I live nearby. I can make it home okay. It's not a big deal. So you sit there and you go, What are the odds I get pulled over anyway, right? Even so, what's the worst that can happen, right? My insurance goes up, I lose my license. I lose my job. I I total my car. I kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. Uh, The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop people uh, from getting behind the wheel while they're under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. So, guys, uh, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen uh, and always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. So why not check out the Lockdown Braves podcast uh, where they're breaking down um, you know, all the Atlanta Braves action as we get geared up for this postseason run with the new format of the Major League Baseball. I'm not an expert on it, uh, but I'm sure Lockdown Braves can break you down where the where the Braves, not the Falcons, where the Braves fit in in the new MLB playoff format uh, and whether or not they can get that one seed or whether they're fighting for, I, I guess, the four seed or, or whatever it is. Uh, but again, Lockdown Braves as you covered. You can find Lockdown Braves on all the same podcast platforms. You are checking out Lockdown Falcons, including on YouTube. So before we talk about the offensive line, I'm wondering if some of you guys are sitting here thinking about, OK, what's the strength of this Falcons roster? What's the one area that stands out in addition to Kyle Pitts? Maybe you think it's the secondary. And then I certainly would agree with you that I think the secondary has the potential to be one a, a very good unit. But part of the reason why I'm not necessarily as sold on this sort of being their standout thing that they can go toe to toe with any group of receivers, uh, because they're going to be a zone defense, right? Uh, you know, rather than a, a man defense. And zone defense primarily was reliant on your ability to get pressure with four guys. So unless Dean Peace kind of throws us a curveball. In that regard, I'm not necessarily being saying, hey, this can be a good secondary, but I don't know if it's going to be sort of that premier elite secondary that we can sit here and say we can match up with anybody because we're going to play primarily zone as opposed to man coverage, which is part of the reason which fuels my obsession that you've heard over the last couple of months with adding more defensive line help. Right. We need to get pressure with four guys. That's why, you know, the obsession of Eddie Goldman. uh, And that's why you hear me constantly talking about Jalen Carter and Will Anderson in the future, because if we're going to unlock the full potential of this defense Probably not this year, but next year uh, is going to rely on us basically acquiring the four horsemen of the apocalypse uh, that can get after the quarterback uh, in the future. But, you know, that's probably a conversation for March, April uh, and whatnot, as opposed to right now. But um, let's turn our attention back to the offensive line. We already talked about the team's ceiling on offense being set by Kyle Pitts. Let's talk about what their floor is going to be set on. I think that's going to be, by and large, based off of the offensive line. And we had Jarvis Davis come on the podcast on Friday, uh, and I'll reiterate what he kind of said on that episode is that we know this team wants to have this sort of physical identity. Uh, And to me, whether that uh, identity manifests itself this year is based off of how well they perform in the trenches. Right. That's been another obsession of mine over this offseason, which is complaining about the lack of investment that the Falcons have made in the trenches, uh, particularly on the offensive line uh, this offseason. I think Monday night against the Jets offers us a great opportunity to see if, you know, they've made enough investments there or we still need to see more there in the future. Um, You know, I know Jarvis mentioned on Friday's episode that he thinks the center competition is over uh, between Drew Dolman and Matt Hensley. You know, I will push back against that notion. Cause it sounded like on Friday and Saturday, we, we, we saw Dolman and Hennessy continue to get, you know, split those first team reps and whatnot. And so we'll see what happens on Monday night. One would assume given that Hennessy started last week, Dolman will start this week, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, so for that reason, Even though there are concerns whether the Jets will play their starters, um, you know, I do expect the Falcons to play their starters for at least one series just so they can have something to compare uh, against last week's game in that ongoing battle. But again, maybe Jarvis is right and and they decide to go in a different direction. That would be a a strong indicator uh, that they are kind of good to go uh, as far as their starters, uh, particularly at that center position, go. Um, So. We'll see if we see this Falcons starting offensive line go up against the Jets starting defense. It doesn't sound like that's going to be the case based off of some of the rhetoric coming from Jets coach Robert Sala uh, following on the heels of Saturday's performance, but we'll see if they sort of buck that trend. Um, And you've heard me say this over the last week that I think this Jets D-line and Jets pass rush will be a great litmus test uh, to see how far this offensive line has come heading into the regular season, right? I want to see Elijah Wilkinson go up against Quinn Williams. I want to see Caleb McGarry go up against Carl Lawson or Jermaine Johnson, right? Uh, Caleb McGarry got a lot of love over at the official site at AtlantaFalcons.com over the weekend for his improvements that he has made. Uh, I want to see that manifest itself in a game as opposed to in practices that I myself am not seeing. I want to see, you know, are there going to be any new additions to Kayla McGarry Island, right? This season, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a resident, uh, I, you know, maybe resident is a strong word. I'm, I'm a detainee. I'm a refugee here on Caleb McGarry. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be here, but maybe, maybe they're renovating Kayla McGarry Island. Uh, In this regard. So I want to see where this offensive line is at good, bad or ugly. Right. We've used the 2015 summer example where the Falcons got absolutely obliterated by that Dolphins front uh, in that preseason game. And that led to the acquisition of Andy Levitre. And, you know, you could argue that there was a little bit of a domino effect continuing the following offseason with the acquisition of Alex Mack. And you certainly I think very few people out there would argue that this Falcon team would have been able to reach the Super Bowl had they not made those additions, uh, you know, following on the heels of that Dolphins game over the next, you know, 12 months, six months, whatever it was. Um, and so I think it's important to see, you know, if this offensive line is also headed in that same direction, is this a bad unit that desperately needs more help or are we starting to sort of, you know, fill in these pieces, whether that's, you know, a new starting center or Matt Hennessy and prove me, whether that's Kayla McGarry, uh, making sure that Kayla McGarry it's no, Kayla McGarry Island is no longer a two-star resort and maybe we're two and a half stars or three-star resorts, right? What is Elijah Wilkinson uh, going to be? So So um, even if that means the Falcons are destined to get exposed by this Jets front, you know, I want to see that, you know, if they hold their own, I want to see that. I want to see this as a litmus test. And if they do wind up holding their own, that does raise the floor, I think, for this team's offense. uh, Considerably, we already talked about the ceiling, but, you know, when we're talking about the floor, like it's really about this offensive line. If they can run the football, if they can protect their quarterback, then this offense has a capability of being, you know, not this high variance unit where it's like, hey, when they're getting the ball, Kyle Pitts is. Uh, in into his hands. Oh, this offense looks great, but you know when the quarterback is on his backside, because you know what we saw last year was a bottom five offensive line in terms of the pressure amount allowed, or a, a team that was dead last in the NFL when it came to converting their short yardage situations. Uh, you know you don't want to see that again. So, I I want to see what this unit can do. I hope we get to see that on Monday night. That's going to be something that um you know I'm watching for. I think this Jets defensive line. No offense to the Lions. No offense to the Jaguars. Uh, is is probably the best litmus test that we'll have to see you know, even if we don't see the Jets starters I, I do think the second team unit for the Jets that's how deep they are, uh, will be a, an effective litmus test, again, not as good as the starters, again, not going to see and Williams, not going to see Carl Lawson, but you know Michael Clemens and and some of these other guys, Sheldon Rankins, whoever else, uh, certainly w- will be good indicators of where this offensive line is at this point in time. In addition to the offensive line, I'll be focused on some of the back end roster battles. Uh, I feel like there's kind of ten or so. Roster spots still up for grab on the Falcons. 53 man roster. Uh, I apologize to Michael Rothstein if I'm talking about some things that we talked about off the record. I can't remember if he said this during the episode or we talked about it after where's the episode, but he was talking to someone else who covers the team and said kind of like 46 spots on the roster. I would put that number around 42. Uh, you know, I think there's 10 or so spots that while I think there's, you know, a likelihood that certain players are front runners for those positions, I still don't think. Guys have quite cemented them, and I'm curious to see if we see some of those guys cement those spots. Some of those spots are basically like, is Felipe Frank's going to make this team, right? Uh, you know, what's the RB three looking like? That looks like it's Quadri Olison versus Damian Williams, who wins that competition. The tight end three is that Parker Hesse? Is it Michael Pruitt? You know, what's the sort of depth situation on the offensive line, particularly at tackle? Do we see Rick Leonard and Justin Schaefer and and Jermaine Ifedide sticking on this roster? You know, we know the defensive line depth is certainly topsy turvy uh, behind Taquan Graham and Anthony Rush and. and Brady Jarrett, uh, you know, that linebacker four position, right? Is is it Nick Kwiatkowski or can Nate Landman or Dorian Etheridge make a, a late push for that spot and sort of the six cornerback spot? We think it's going to be D Alford, but, uh, you know could someone else sort of throw their hat into the ring? so again certainly i think front runners for several of those pitches i would sit here and put money on on several of those guys being on the falcon 53 man roster but i would not go as far to say that they have cemented their spot so i think that number's kind of at 42 i'll see you know if anybody cements their spot on monday night you know those would be one of the things i'm focused on in addition to this offensive line uh as well as sort of sort of who are the guys that are sort of Uh, you know, elevating themselves to to make the practice squad. You know, that's where the wide receiver six conversation comes in. In my opinion, that's where this third string offensive line, you know, the Ryan Newsels and the Leroy Watsons and the Tyler Vrabels of the world. Do they make a push for a practice squad as well as several, you know, third stringers on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll see what's on display. Uh, We'll certainly be talking about those things on the uh, locked on sports Atlanta postcast myself and Jarvis Davis after the game live Monday night, uh, we'll be going live on the Locked On Sports Atlanta YouTube channel uh, to give you our reactions to the game, our thoughts on what we saw on Monday night between the Falcons and Jets. And if you miss that live video show, you can still get the audio version uh, on the Locked On Falcons podcast feed on your preferred podcast app. Uh, so, that's the plan for Monday night. I do plan on doing a full episode as well. Monday night, although I'll probably let you guys know because of it won't un- occur until after the game. So it will be up later on YouTube, prob- potentially at midnight or later. Uh, should, the audio version still should be up for those of you that listen to first thing in the morning Tuesday morning on your ways to work uh, I will also give you a heads up that probably Tuesday night's episode the plan is that we're going to have uh, Alan Sterk on the podcast but he can't record till late Tuesday night so that probably will air late on YouTube as well uh, closer to midnight on Tuesday night uh, that will be Wednesday's episode as well and then of course later in the week we'll be talking about other, more joint practices uh, between the Falcons and, and Jaguars to see uh, how those go so that's the plan for the. This week guys uh, a lot of great content coming your way uh so check out jarvis and i tonight or Tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, and you'll hear from Alan Sterk, who will be at that Jets game, uh, you know, on Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning as well. So uh, that's what's in store, guys. Really appreciate you for tuning in. Of course, always leave a comment. Tell me what you think the strength of this roster is. What do you think about Kyle Pitts? What do you think about this offensive line? What do you think about other areas of this roster that can be strong units? Uh, you know, what are you expecting to see uh, in this Monday night game as well as potentially later this week against the Jaguars? Uh, so. Guys, uh, uh, welcome your feedback. Leave a comment here on Lockdown Falcons on YouTube. Uh, Send an email to lockdownfalcons at mail.com, or you can hit me up on... The social media, Facebook or Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, as well. So, appreciate it, guys. Uh, you know, we'll duck out of here, plugging the Lockdown Fantasy Football podcast as your second listen of the day after we thank you for making Lockdown Falcons your first listen. Of course, Vinnie Iyer, the host of Lockdown Fantasy Football, has over 20 years of NFL expertise and experience to help you guys get geared up for your upcoming fantasy football seasons and drafts. So, subscribe to Lockdown Fantasy Football on YouTube or wherever you you get your podcast. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.